everyone. Uh, welcome back to Keeping Up with the Chaldeans. We're here with uh, Joanne Shango, uh, Montessori School, Rochester. Uh, hi, Joanne. Thanks for joining us. Thanks uh, for having me. Yeah, yeah, you're very welcome. Uh, I'm here with Junior also, as up, uh, you all know. The unshaven junior. Unshaven today. Yeah, yeah. So handsome. He looks good. So handsome. Thank, thank you. Thank That's you. nice of you. Thanks, Joanne. All right, so let's uh, let's talk about the school and uh, maybe introduce yourself and talk a little bit about how the school got started and jump right in. All righty. Well, I'm Joanne Shango, mm -hmm. formerly Yono, and uh, we started the school in 2012. And uh, we did it for my children because I was looking for an authentic Montessori school for them. And uh, so we did some research and we ended up opening a school on Rochester Road. Over the past few years, we moved that location to a permanent location that we purchased um, on Livernois and South Boulevard in Rochester Hills. Mm -hmm. And our school grew at that point. Okay, so how many kids were at the original school? Uh, well, when we started, we were in a construction zone and we had uh, 27 children initially. Mm -hmm. uh, we grew by about 30% every year. By the time um, in 2017, we had 125 students wow. and had outgrown our current facility after t construction every single year. Yeah. And so we purchased uh, the nine-acre property uh, in Rochester Hills. You, you're on nine acres? We're on nine acres. Wow, that's wow. amazing. Yeah, it's a 33,000. Yeah, she's, she's having a good problem here. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's been pretty incredible. I mean, the growth has been uh, we've never had a wait list because every year we've uh, modified the building in some way when mm -hmm. we were in the old location to continue growing because it just didn't feel like we had ever uh, gotten to a capacity right. uh, that felt comfortable the the growth was just too big and so we exceeded our seven-year plan in year three uh, for the school mm -hmm. uh, which had us starting to look for a different location and we bought our permanent home God bless. When you started, did you start from infant to six-year-old um, from the beginning, or was it something you implemented at a later time? Like, what was the age when you first began? When we first opened, we had one toddler program for eight students, and then we had a, a one primary class expecting to open to two, and that's the preschool through six-year-old, the kindergarten program. Okay. And we had one elementary uh, program that had four students in it. Okay. And... Um, all of the programs ended up growing. We now have three toddler programs, one infant program, and three primary programs with the fourth one opening in January. And we have a pretty large elementary program as well. Can you run through the age ranges on those? or, the, or the Sure. Uh, so the infant program, we call mm -hmm. it our nest, is birth through about 18 months old. And okay. then our toddler program has 18 months to just about three years old. Mm -hmm. The primary program is three to six-year-old children. Uh, that's inclusive of the kindergarten year because kindergarten is uh, part of early childhood and then elementary is first first through sixth grade and getting an understanding on that so we can go to the first part which is the infants to 18 months um, that's unique right you said uh, earlier when we were talking it's limited to how many schools actually handle not very many Montessori programs have infant programs mm -hmm. ours is uh, different we initially started our infant program due to the needs of our families okay. at the school yep. and so we grew our toddler program to include infants um, it is rare because not many people understand that there's developmental needs that are occurring it's not just right. what we would call fundamental needs it's not just changing them and feeding sure. them uh, they are extraordinary they yeah. infants uh, you learn more I think 65% of all you'll ever learn uh, in your life in the first six years 
And in infancy, uh, you have mastered, uh, at least on the oral level, um, an entire language by the time you're 18 months old. And so it's really important to offer those experiences (coughs) of language opportunities, as well as for an infant, um, they're learning how to use their bodies and to be able to provide opportunities uh, for the children that aren't practiced movements, instead natural experiences in the environment to promote movement, Mm -hmm. uh, you end up having uh, more what they call sensory integrated children. So uh, less of the issues or problems, uh, I wouldn't call them problems Mm because I think all kids are extraordinary, but uh, there's so many letters behind so many names, uh, children's names nowadays. There's all these different diagnoses, and yet if you offer a more natural natural environment that's focused uh, with an understanding on the Mm -hmm. developmental needs of the infant, not just the physical care of the infant, Uh, they end up growing in a more natural way, uh, therefore at their most, like, optimal. So you talk about infancy or infants. Is there a way to catch someone up that wasn't, didn't come to you or didn't go to a Montessori as an infant to get up to the, to where the development of one that did? Absolutely. I mean, development occurs through life. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's different planes of development all the way through you know, uh, senior citizens. Yeah. Uh, the toddler community is a continuation of that infant community in regards to how does the world work and how do I work in the world? So mm-hmm. they're still mastering the way the gross motor skills in their body. How mm-hmm. do you run? How do you walk? That upright movement, the development of core, um, of their core, and uh, exploring fine motor. Um, how do things work and how do they work in the world? And so we, pr- we continue to provide that in the toddler program. We have many students that join us uh, just as toddlers and even more that join us in primary. If you think there's 12 students in our infant program, there's 36 that are in our toddler program, there's 90, soon to be 120 in our primary programs. It's never too late to to start in Montessori or the idea of the Montessori approach to to raising children, Mm -hmm. uh, whether you're in a Montessori school or even at home, because a lot of this can be done at home as well. Before I get into that, that's very impressive to know that how we are as kids up until six years old, that we can absorb so much, learn so mm-hmm. much. Now it makes sense because I was able, by the time I got to first grade, I, I knew Chaldean, Arabic. I'm sorry, let me rephrase that. I knew Sudeth, Arabic, and um, English by the time I got to first grade. By the time I got to high school, shit, I couldn't even figure out how to speak Spanish when they were trying to teach it, you know what I'm saying, yeah. to learn it. Like a, a sentence would be almost like impossible. So it's like I learned three languages by that time, which now makes sense. And leading to what you're saying now, I was going to ask you, what's your take? Because schooling has changed. I'm starting to hear some more in-house schooling now. Now it's being done as homeschool. And whether it has to do with people feeling, you know, threatened with the way school has become, you know, could be a target or if it has to do with the educational side because of resources, what's your feeling with that? Because do you advocate anything after they leave you at six years old? in choices like that, like in-home, or do you suggest schooling to continue the way it is? What's six years old? I'm, she, she's, you teach them up until six, right? Through sixth grade. Six, sixth oh, grade, yeah. I'm Age sixth 12, grade. Yeah. Okay, okay. Um, but do we advocate for homeschooling? <clears throat> yeah. um, so many of our students, um, after they do finish uh, kindergarten, because all mm-hmm. of our students stay through the kindergarten year, it is a three-year program for primary, um, they, they make a choice. What are we going to do for elementary? Sure. And the choices do range from traditional education, parochial schools, mm-hmm. homeschooling, or staying with us in Montessori. Um, me personally, I 
could never be a homeschooler, even yeah. though um, I'm an educator. Yeah. Uh, I just need a little bit of separation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that being said, uh, there's some values to homeschooling that allow for more of that individualized education, mm-hmm. um, tracking the children as they're capable versus when a teacher or a school um, administration says you have to learn something. So there's mm-hmm. benefits. But what we found at our school is a lot of homeschool parents end up coming to us. Okay. They're looking for more socialization and uh, the way we teach in in the Montessori classroom mm-hmm. seems to at least carry the values that they're looking for in sure. homeschooling in regards to the respect of the individual child, um, in regards to how we raise the children in our mm-hmm. school in that social-emotional environment. We're accepting of all kids, mm-hmm. um, but we're teaching them about inner discipline and boundaries versus obedience. And that seems to align with a lot of parents that feel like they don't have another choice except to homeschool. So we grew up with, you know, hand over the chest, American flag, you're saying the Pledge of Allegiance and mm-hmm. sometimes prayers in certain classes and stuff. Is that some of the tradition you guys are carrying or have you conformed more to like the present day where it's 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 a PC situation, right? How politically correct? Like it's, it's a tough challenge, but instilling it, I mean, we grew up on it. It wasn't a bad thing. So what changed it to be so bad that some schools have... A, you know, exonerated that, like that, or not exonerated, they've taken it out of the schools. Yeah, um, I can't say what changed it. There's so many different factors mm-hmm. in the way um, children are being raised right. and uh, the needs of adults in this PC world that yeah. we're living in. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a conflicting world, right, where yeah. we're supposed to have more and more freedoms, but at the same time, we are clinging super tight to make sure that our children never get hurt. Right. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. And that's conflicting, right? Yes. Yes. Um, but um, in our school, it's a whole child education. So mm-hmm. uh, we're discussing religions. We're celebrating all different religions, all different cultures. Cool. Uh, we're celebrating uh the U.S. Constitution, we're celebrating uh, rules and regulations. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're learning about government. We travel to Lansing so that they can explore that. These are our first graders that get to do those things. So we find all of those things really important, and not one has more importance than another because you're educating the whole child. I love that. Yep, I like that. I like that. So what is a a infant's week school week look, look like what is a second graders week yeah. look like what is a kindergarten, kindergarten third fifth sixth yeah. grade um i would say uh connectively uh all of their their days look uh similar in that it's joyful mm-hmm. and it's peaceful uh so those are the the most connective uh elements and how they're feeling uh an infant's day is based on their needs so what time do they check in what time do they check out ah uh, okay um we open at 7 a.m. Uh, we have some students, a small percentage of our student body that arrives that early because parents have needs. They need to go to work and mm-hmm. things like that. Uh, the school day, though, starts at 8.30. Oh, wow. And it goes, uh, there's a half-day program for our infants, toddlers, and okay. preschool students. And then for kindergarten and older, uh, they stay until 3.15 every day. Mm-hmm. And some of our infants, toddlers, and preschoolers also stay till either 3.15 or that extended day till 5.45. Is it, is it, 
Are they all five days, though? Um, in the infant and toddler program, we give flexibility. There's a real okay. importance to spending time at home. And if a parent can spend time at home, we understand yeah. that we all can't. Um, right. I work full time. Yeah. Um, but if you can, uh, we make more uh, adaptations to the schedule for infants and toddlers. But by the time they reach the primary age, three to six-year-old, um, it is a five-day-a-week program. There's something really important about the repetition mm -hmm. uh, of coming to school every day. Sure. There's a more of an emotional security mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that occurs where they learn to trust the environment, trust mm -hmm. the teachers, and also trust their parents, that their parent is coming back every single day. So you have less anxious children yeah. and children that are more eager to go to school. Yeah. That's nice. That's great. Do you deal, you know, just the, some of it, just asking for opinion besides of what you do too, but they do run into kids with ADD. Are you running into kids physically challenged? Are, are those part of your students? And if you do, what's some of the stuff that your school has learned to, to work with when it comes to these situations? Yeah, we have children um, with all different types of needs. And mm -hmm. I personally, I think every student has a special need, um, whether it is accelerated learning or needing mm -hmm. some quiet space. Um, but there are students that are ADD or ADHD. We've had students that are on the autism spectrum, yeah. uh, lots of different needs. We've had physical challenges and needs. Uh, right now, we have this adorable little boy that um, he's delayed in walking and he walks our halls with the other toddlers uh, using a little push cart mm -hmm. um, so, so that cute. he can practice. He mm -hmm. doesn't need to be carried and yep. uh, we really work hand in hand with the parents so that we find out what gains they're making at home, what challenges they're experiencing at home and how we can not only support those gains um, and support some of the challenges so that they experience growth. Uh, we then use our Montessori background, the mm -hmm. knowledge that we know about neurological development yep. or social and emotional development cognitive development and we start piecing it together and working in partnership with the parents sometimes with therapists uh, psychologists whoever it is we need to mm -hmm. so that we can make sure that there's continuous growth um, on all aspects and on all fronts for the kids nice and the um, diet's important for the children. Mm -hmm. That plays a big part of how they're um, from whether they're hyperactive or, or paying attention. And do you guys supply the um, lunch for the students? And do you work with some of the diet programs or the programs for the, the lunch? And the reason I ask that is we've worked with some charters in the past, um, Chaldean owned, and I'll tell you like what route we took with, to help them out. May, it may help you, but is that something you guys target when you work with these children? We do. We make a conscientious effort cool. um, to uh, educate children on health and nutrition. Yep. Uh, part of our everyday in the classroom is actually food prep shelves. Okay. And that provides a variety of different uh, food items, whether mm -hmm. it's hard-boiled eggs or fruits and vegetables. Yep. It might be the ingredients to make hummus or guacamole. Sure. And the children actually practice those skills. So if they want a carrot, if they're yeah. hungry, they would peel the carrot themselves. They would first wash their hands. Mm -hmm. We would teach them all the steps yep. really in washing their hands and then choosing a carrot peeling the carrot chopping mm -hmm. the carrot cleaning everything first yep. and then sitting down and eating that carrot uh, nice. we also have health and nutrition classes uh, one of our teach uh, one of our volunteers I would say mm -hmm. uh, she happens to be a professional chef her and her husband both and I believe that they're working at Ocean Prime okay. uh, in Troy mm -hmm. and uh, their children go to our school and she now uh, conducts a health and nutrition class for the children so she comes in uh, once a week and she talks about foods around the world mm -hmm. uh, she discusses the different um, uh, 
health needs, I guess, based on where you're living, yep. uh, as well as different foods and flavors. And then the children have an opportunity to cook or prepare something with her That's as great. well. That's um, amazing. Yeah. yeah, it's it's extraordinary, and the kids really can. I mean, in one of our classrooms, they do the baking, mm-hmm. and we're talking three to six year old children. It's usually four and five year olds, yeah. but we give them the recipe, we give them a presentation, we That's show them cool. how to do it, and then they bake. And sometimes yeah. it's awful, yeah. and other well, times mm-hmm. it's absolutely delicious. Yeah. But we're not afraid of them making a mistake. That's no. actually really very important. Gains and losses, right? You win, yeah. you lose. You got to teach them. And both, you learn right? from it because yeah. mistakes learn, are yeah. learning opportunities. Yeah. And so with that, um, baking is a wonderful way to do that. And they yep. really make deliberate choices. Do I want it to be a banana muffin? Do I want it to be a strawberry mm-hmm. muffin? Do I mm-hmm. want it to be plain? And uh, when they fail, if we want to call it failure, mm-hmm. <laughs> when it's just really not edible, yep. uh, they make that discovery. One child made banana muffins and he chose this much of a banana. Mm-hmm. And I was like, are you sure you don't <laughs> want to add more banana to that? And he's like, no, that's that's the amount of banana I like. And I was yeah. like, okay, do you want to mash it up? He's like, no, I like it just like this. I'm like, okay. You do you think that will be? There. Yeah. So this much banana and he <laughs> put the whole thing in. And he's like, uh, so he bakes it and I didn't tell him he had to mash it. I was trying to explain yep. to him, well, mm-hmm. are you sure it's all going to taste like banana? It is because the banana's in there. Okay, yeah. no problem. So um, when the when the muffins came out, and they were pretty good muffins, except that they weren't banana, right. he's like, do you like my banana muffins? And the child's like, it's not banana. Mm-hmm. And another child, do you like my banana muffins? It's not banana. And then one little girl finally shouts after like half an hour, I got the banana muffin. Um, <laughs> I got the banana. banana and yeah, he's yeah. like, do you like my banana muffins? She's like, it's not a muffin because it <laughs> right. was just banana. banana. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so that was really important. <laughs> the next day, he took the same amount of banana, but he mashed it. So it cool. was tasted a little yeah. bit more. Um, in addition to all of that, at our school, uh, we have a chef on, st- on site. And cool. uh, she's a wonderful Chaldean woman, uh, Genevieve Shenko. And uh, she cooks phenomenal international cuisine. It's all healthy. Everything is homemade. There's yeah. uh, no frozen, like pre-cooked no, that's, chicken that's, nuggets or things like that. That's great for their and, development. People yeah. don't understand how important the diet is. Yeah. We, I'm like my, I, we used to come home from grandma's house five, six years old. You're grabbing mm-hmm. Burger King on the way before you got home and eating all that, and mm-hmm. it wasn't healthy. I'm gonna throw this your way and see if you'd be up for it. But um, uh, my my team, I have a gardening store, but my team has done this for a few schools, and one of them was a Chaldean charter school, Keys Grace mm-hmm. Academy yes. um, on the east side. And we did their outdoor garden for them. Mm-hmm. So if you guys are up for that next summer, we'd be happy to come out there. You don't have to pay for it. We go ahead and we just assemble the um, their raised beds. Mm-hmm. Your students then can learn how to cultivate and grow organic food that's what we teach them and then you just proceed from there and then carry the weight for them to you know take care of it and all that then by the end of the season if you have the property to do it but by the end of the season they'll bet nine acres yeah i'm saying to you what I, but, but it sounds like she's building so fast with this schooling <laughs> we so, might cover it all up with building well, yeah. we um we 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 help them so that when they come back Mm-hmm. For the next season for school, they're coming back in end of August, September. Then you can start picking and canning or picking and using it. They were, so they use it for their cafeteria. They, That's they, amazing. Yeah. We actually have um, two different areas that have garden beds, and Good. our teachers do a lot uh, okay. with them. But they they are not – they're the most loved yep. gardens, but yep. they're mm-hmm. not the most well-tended yep. because mm-hmm. our children do it. Yep. And uh, they don't quite know how. And our toddlers actually, believe it or not, they're yep. the ones that go into the garden more than anybody they else so sure. they pick carrots. little carrots and they never yeah, yeah. grow 
bigger than this, but to be able to have an yeah. expert come in. Yeah, let us help. We'll help you out with uh, it, and we'll set it up and everything, too, and we'll make it. We make it very simple, so that way, continuously, there's not much, like, effort. It's just feed if you have to, so. Oh, that would be Yeah, these guys, I'm telling you, they, they were... They benefited in two ways. The neighborhood saw the good that they're giving back, and they also allowed the neighborhood to come pick up whenever they wanted to take food from That's there. Awesome. And That's then the kids amazing. do it too. The kids helped out. So we had kids' day. They brought them on board, kids with the shovels, kids with the dirt, kids with, mm -hmm. you know, with, the, with the plants. But it worked out really, really well. I left them about three and a half, four years ago from mm -hmm. doing it, and they've maintained it and made it prettier and prettier every year, and these kids love it. So We'd love we'll, we'll help you out with it. Yeah. You just reach out to me when it's time. It'll probably be, um, usually we start rocking things around Mother's Day, a little after that. So a little after May of next year, you can just get in touch with me, and we'll bring the crew out, and we just... We help you, and we donated it, all of it. So that's Stop awesome. by my house yep. too, Junior. Yep. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> and mine. That's um, fine. <laughs> no, we would love it. We also actually have an apple orchard on our property. Oh, it's a small awesome. apple orchard. Yeah. I think there's about 25 apple trees, that's and uh, that they actually do bear fruit, yeah. and it's it's pretty amazing because the children uh, learned not to touch the apples until they were yep. ready, and now we do uh, canning of applesauce and making apple pies. Corn, you know what you apples, can do to keep. You know like what that. you can do to keep them busy during that time. Mm -hmm. to keep bugs away you take a pantyhose and you cover each one of the um, apples with it that's really? how you protect it from bugs getting on there and worms and stuff getting into it yeah oh look at that because yeah. they're always picking them and going this one's yeah. not good yep yeah. <laughs> yeah, they start getting the little good. holes and stuff in them that's how you yeah. keep them out you get the pantyhose yeah. on there wrap them around there and oh. makes it hard for them to penetrate see we're already learning yep. every day's a learning experience yep. give the kids something to do yeah so Absolutely. so cool so um Right now, how many kids are you are you, are under your uh, wing right now at the Montessori? We have 165 students at the school wow. and uh, still growing. Uh, I think we're enrolling two students today, which was very exciting as I was walking out. Two new families. So you so you enroll like mid semester or how Sometimes do the semesters we do. work? Yeah, um, preferably we start at the beginning of the school year. We mm -hmm. have a January start, but we're a really international school, so we have lots of families that are moving here from overseas. They might be getting jobs uh, within the automotive industry. Um, Metro Detroit is known for that, mm -hmm. and so uh, we, I guess I would say we don't discriminate on the time people start because we really want to uh, accommodate for these families the opportunity for the children to have more of a seamless transition, mm -hmm. so we do enroll throughout the school year. Nice. That's nice. And, you know, you're assisting the parents. Mm -hmm. I see the way you do with the timing. You've, you've brought that up, which is a helpful thing. Now let's talk vice versa. How do parents help out? with children and you guys being teachers where does the where does their assistance come in or what do you like to see from parents when working with them I think at whatever school that you're at, uh, it's really important to have a homeschool connection. So the relationship with the parent and the teacher and the uh, parent and the school as a whole is really important. We have a PTO, and uh, that is a parent-teacher organization. Uh, they meet monthly, and they do some extraordinary things in the school, whether it's our special events like a Halloween party that's coming up on October 26th. Mm -hmm. uh, the PTO puts that together. They have a chili cook-off, things like that. Uh, that's uh, a great way for parents to stay connected. Uh, we actually have volunteer hours mm -hmm. uh, in order to encourage the parents to really come in and spend time in the classroom. Sometimes they come yeah. in and they read to the children. Sometimes children read 
to them. Uh, there's lots of different ways. One parent uh, ran the initiative to bring a uh, digital platform into the school. Um, it's called Kid Report, mm -hmm. and that allows for a two-way communication uh, with the parents. It's an app. Okay. And uh, so different parents end up coming in, and as we're constantly growing, they end up joining that initiative and helping us to grow. So awesome. uh, that's really important from the school, and in order to encourage that even more, we mm -hmm. offer parent education classes, and we do those mm -hmm. once a month. And those are actually open to the public. They're not limited to our school community because okay. um, Montessori well, is a name that describes the most natural and respectful way to raise children. And any almost anybody that has children is doing it because they want to make an impact on a little human and they mm -hmm. want to make an impact on the world, right? So we yeah. want to give them uh, support mm -hmm. and education on how to bring that way of communicating with children so that their children are happier, less stressed, more yeah. excited, and more engaged with them at home as well as at school. So we do those monthly. Yeah. And what do we what do we learn as parents there? Uh, the topics ranged. Uh, the most recent topic uh, that we had was really about um, emotional separation and transitions yep. and learning the role that we play when we're trying to express to our children how much we love them. Mm -hmm. uh, if it, It's so hard for parents to send their kids to school for the first time, particularly mm -hmm. in the younger ages, and mm -hmm. parents feel emotional, and <coughs> the parents learn that the children read off of those emotions. Yeah. And if you're trying really hard not to cry because I'm leaving my baby, yeah. which is so hard. I, I was that mom. I'd done it for 25 mm -hmm. yeah, years, and yeah. I could not leave the school on the first day. Um, I really couldn't. I was like, bye. <laughs> and she's around the corner. I'm like, bye. bye I'm yeah. still here. Yeah. Um, I totally get it, but yeah. we were. I'm really teaching them what, the, what role to play and what kind of communication. I think earlier you had mentioned to me um, those uh, questions to ask kids when you pick them up from school. Yeah. Uh, there's also things to say when you're dropping them off at school that's going to ease that transition. It's the things that say, you're so lucky. You're going to have a great day. I'll miss you, um, but I can't wait to see you later. You're going to have a great day in having that positive language with yeah. them. Uh, a parent was visiting the school today, and as she was leaving after an hour tour, and, you know, they, they seem to like everything we're talking about. She said, what impressed me the most is while I was waiting for you to come down, I saw so many moms, and their language was so positive, moms and dads. Their language was so positive. They were saying, they were essentially telling the child, you are so lucky. I'll see you later. Wow. And um, so that's really what we were focusing on, and parents were giving us examples and we were answering and uh, giving them the tools so that it was more comfortable for them. It's that reminder of yeah. you're doing the best for your kid yeah. mm -hmm. and uh, therefore trust in all of the experiences you're giving. They're mm -hmm. not going to be perfect. There is no school. There's no parent. There's no playground. There's nothing out there that's actually perfect. No. What there is is people striving for perfection and mm -hmm. celebrating imperfections within people um, while trying to offer the very best. And when parents start to feel that, then there's less um, self-doubt mm -hmm. and there's less uh, self-recriminations yes. that are necessary, which means their child is going to feel something positive from the parents. Oh, that's amazing. That's And, the, and to refer <laughs> what you're saying to, it, it was, we were talking in conversation earlier, I posted something on social media yeah. and it, it, I'm able to view the analytics to see what's going on. It was one of the behind the scenes most impactful and i realize there must be a lot of women parents mm -hmm. that you know moms that are following because a lot of them ended up saving it and sending it out to mm -hmm. others and few others saw me after but it was simple five questions and i'm not a parent yeah. i mean you, you know you two are so it's, it's two totally different worlds 
But at the end of the day, I was a kid once, right? That's how I was. You have nieces I, I, and nephews. Yeah, you know? yeah exactly. We're all I kids once, junior. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah <laughs> we were. That's how it works. Right, that's how I'm saying. But but in regards to that, like, I've been yelled at by, you know, sister or whoever. You don't know how it is to have kids. And I always respond, but I knew what it was to be a kid. Mm -hmm. And I knew what I would have wanted to hear and feel, you know, and it's different, like what we grew up with. So Yeah, we sure. actually share a similar post, and it is always the most shared yeah. on our social what media as well. What does your post say? Um, Ten... Uh, different ways to speak to children when you pick them up from school. Do you know what they and, are offhand? Um, offhand, there's a few different ones. Uh, rather than how was your day, which yeah. is very oblique. What did you learn today? Um, not so much. But when you say uh, what was the most exciting thing that you learned today, what's one friend that uh, – uh, name one friend that you did something new with today mm -hmm. or uh, what moment made you smile? Yeah. And those are the types of questions that lead them to um, offering something because it's vast. Like what did you learn? Well <laughs> – yeah. I mean, it was seven hours. I learned seven hours worth of right. experiences right. Mm -hmm. in life and things. Yeah. And so um, asking more specifics uh, that promote a conversation versus a tally. Gotcha. And then so we, we talked about uh, uh, getting starting mid-semester mid, uh, or whatever. Mm -hmm. what, what, what are the tuitions compared to uh, – you know, a Catholic school or something like that. Yeah, um, our our tuition is a little bit higher than parochial schools, but mm -hmm. it's lower than other prep schools. Okay. Um, so there's other Montessori schools or prep schools in the area that uh, have considerably higher tuition. We kind mm -hmm. of sit right in the middle, particularly okay. if you look at our daycare price, like we don't offer daycare, we offer um, early childhood. However, uh, when you compare us to uh, a rainbow system or things like that, um, our tuition's only a small percentage higher than theirs for early childhood because we want to make it fair and competitive to the parents. Mm -hmm. uh, but we're, we are not subsidized by the government. We're not right. subsidized by the church. So funding is really just based on us. When we look at our small school and we have to pay the mortgage on a nine-acre, 33,000-square-foot facility, mm -hmm. um, a, a public school or a charter school you know, puts out a bill, right? And uh, we get to vote on whether we want that past the millage that's out yeah. there uh, we don't get to do that the church might support growth in a parochial school uh, so we have to be a little bit higher than the parochial mm -hmm. schools but on average our tuition when we look at the dollars that comes into a public school comparatively to the dollars uh, that we charge in tuition those actually end up becoming equal mm -hmm. and out of that we're still having to pay for building maintenance upkeep mm -hmm. growth and yep. development uh, separate so we do our very best we try to take care of our teachers as much as we can mm -hmm. while taking care of our parents. I know sure. for me, uh, I, I, well, I, when we decided to invest and uh, build the school, I had to turn to my husband and say, if we stick, if we stick in private school uh, through high school, we're talking about one hundred and eighty thousand mm -hmm. dollars uh, per child. And he's yeah. like, oh, I think we can invest in a Montessori school. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I think so. Um, the investment was actually smaller, but we really respect what parents have to. Uh, put out uh, not everybody can afford mm -hmm. you know that but there's people out there that don't believe that they can afford something different than Montessori mm -hmm. either they they don't they want this for their children so we do a lot of um, scholarships uh, if needed there's a scholarship application it goes through mm -hmm. a committee um, but we do our very best despite a higher tuition price to make it affordable for our families well it sounds like the value is definitely there yeah. I mean it's not it's not uh, no it's not just something just for the price of yeah there's a not, lot that comes with you're it. not just you know printing the kids up and push, pushing them in no. and pushing no. them out it's it's not an assembly line. It's 
it's quality. hands-on yeah. care. It's quality, yeah. She's and they're learning everything. They're yeah. not just learning like ABCs and get sent no. off into and the so, world. And so the audience knows just for the sake of her credibility as well. You've been doing this for about eight years, but you have you have other history. If you want to tell us about that, educate you know you've had yeah. your educational history besides yeah. this. So I uh, started in a Montessori <coughs> school when I was at U of M, and uh, as a student, and mm-hmm. I needed a job, so I got into Montessori that way. I was 18 years old. Mm-hmm. By the time I was 20, I went to do my Montessori training concurrently mm-hmm. with. Uh, Uh, obtaining my college degree in fine arts and uh, I've been teaching or working in some capacity with Montessori schools uh, since then whether it was as a teacher as an administrator uh, as a consultant and then when we opened it eight years ago was really through research that said why is education changing why are Montessori schools saying things like we need to compete with public school Um, that's not what Montessori is about we're not trying to be elite education institute Mm -hmm. educational institute we're looking at offering Montessori education to children and uh, that's really how it all transpired but over 25 years I've learned a lot I've fallen down I've made mistakes Um, but it's always a learning opportunity there's Mm -hmm. times where I just look and think oh I totally said the wrong thing to that child and now he's he's in battle with me I'm looking and saying you'll fall off of the chair and he's going I won't see look I'm really good at this I'm thinking that child's never going to fall off a chair again Mm -hmm. Um, and what I should have said was really really simple chairs are for sitting we stand on the floor and he's going to say but I'm trying to clean the window which is all he was trying to do it's a window washing work and what I really should have said was chairs are for sitting do you need a step stool Mm -hmm. and he would have immediately gotten off that chair he would Mm -hmm. have gone and gotten that step stool but I, 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 I flubbed you know and I was like oh Gosh, I knew this. I knew this. And that was 25 years later, doing this for 25 years. It's always a learning opportunity. There's nothing that we need to beat ourselves over as long as we're always striving for the best for the kids that way. And that's that's awesome to know. And just for for, for the help to parents, especially these days, depression and stuff like that does come from Mm -hmm. these young kids have you faced it or or what are some of the things that parents can look to see or how do you guys work together to help them get out of that rut yeah we don't see a lot in regards to depression or whatnot because our educational model is really based on developing a love of learning and a joy in learning however there are children that have different things there Mm -hmm. is uh, anxiety there is just different imbalances going on in their bodies and we really work with them and coach parents and children on you can trust me. We're having a conversation. I'm not trying to stop you. I tell my own son, who is an emotional little genius, he's mm-hmm. he he feels everything big. He learns everything big. He's you studying shout him right out now. What, you want to shout Hi, his name? Hi, um, And Zaya, you're awesome too. Grace, you're my love. Um, well, they all are, but mm-hmm. you're getting me in trouble here. Yeah. <laughs> this is not good. Um, but. Uh, there's times where they feel too much Mm -hmm. and we want to really talk to them about um, it's okay to feel. I would never ask a child not to be frustrated. I would never ask a child not to feel sad. What we want to say is you feel frustrated, you feel sad. Pushing your friends Mm -hmm. or kicking the shelf or throwing something isn't safe. So what can we do? And uh, it's important to make that distinction for parents as well. When you try to shove emotions into a corner and pretend that they don't exist, you're being really unfair. These little children have so much less experience dealing with life and emotions than we do. And think Mm -hmm. about the times you guys have gotten frustrated or felt sad. You have, you know, what are you, 25? You know, 25 years, (laughs) 40, 12 years of experience, I don't know. 
And yet still, sometimes those emotions overwhelm us. Mm -hmm. These little humans have three years, five years, 12 years. I'm sorry, but an 18-year-old still only has 18 years of life under their belt comparatively to ours. And so respecting their emotions, um, but giving them the boundaries that say, let's find a safer way to express them. And that's probably the most critical and important information I think any parent could need respect the emotions, acknowledge the emotions, and then create the boundary that says yeah. what's a different way we can express it. Good. Where, so where could uh, someone find you guys if they wanted to enroll their children or reach out? And there's a website yeah. there. Uh, we're uh, at the www.the, like the, T-H-E, M as in Montessori, S as in school, R as in Rochester.net. So the MSR.net. You can also follow us on Facebook mm-hmm. um, at the Montessori School Rochester. There's no of in the name, so you're looking for the Montessori School Rochester. Otherwise, you'll be following a school in New York, which happens <laughs> to be pretty fabulous as well. But if you want to follow us, we're at the Montessori School Rochester on Facebook. Cool. And where's the school located exactly? We're in Rochester Hills at South Boulevard in Livernois. Okay. Three nine seven six South Livernois Road. Cool. All nine acres. All yeah. nine acres. All nine acres. Right yes. on the corner. Cool. Uh, are there uh, <coughs> are landmarks in the area? Um, no, we're, we are the landmark. You are the um, landmark. It actually okay. is a uh, historical building, oh, and nice. so it actually, the building happens to be a landmark. Oh, that's um, cool. It is a historical building. Uh, the school, the original school was founded in the mid-1800s by mm-hmm. Farmer Stiles, who donated the, that portion of the property. It was a public school um, that the current building was built in, I think, uh, 1929, mm-hmm. 27, and uh, it actually has historical elements like uh, artwork that was granted uh, or funded through a grant by the New Deal Act. Mm -hmm. So it actually happens that the school is the biggest landmark in that area. Uh, But we're about a mile down from Nino Salvaggio's, which is on Rochester Road, one mile down on South Boulevard, and you're at Livernoy. And you mentioned, uh, do you have any of your art uh, work hanging in the school? No, we have the students' artwork hanging in okay. the school. <laughs> right. uh, we, I think there's actually one installation piece of my artwork that's going in the school, nice. but we reserve that for home or, or galleries and museums if anybody wants. Well, so let's get uh, personal a little bit. Do you want to shout out your parents, your your husband, your sure. aunts, uncles, cousins, sisters, brothers? Everybody. Yeah. Uh, huge Chaldean family because yeah. we're very, very Chaldean. Um, my parents are George and Sol Leono. Mm-hmm. Um, love them dearly. They raised seven of us, and uh, we're all doing pretty fabulous, I think. Awesome. And uh, my husband is Ron Shango. Mm-hmm. Uh, his fabulous parents are Shememta and uh, Baba Zaya. And uh, my son was named after him. His name is uh, Zaya Elias. He is actually the second because uh, he got the entire name, uh, which is funny because a lot of Chaldean, like older Chaldean people are like, you're giving him such an old name, such a Baba name. It is a Baba and, name. And yeah. It's cool. Yeah, it's so cool. Everybody else that isn't, doesn't know Surat, doesn't know the language mm-hmm. or the history is like, what a great name. Yeah, yeah, and, of course. Uh, my younger son, Sivi, was, uh, we call him Sevi, but his name actually stemmed from uh, his uh my husband's great-grandfather oh, wow. and my great-grandfather, whose name was Yusuf, both of them, not shared grand, great-grandparents, yeah. but uh, they were both Yusuf, and their nickname was Sivi. Wow. And uh, so we gave him the name Sevi. Very cool. So, That's cool. Yeah. And then my kids, we talked about Grace. Uh, she's my oldest. And mm-hmm. then Zaya is just about to be 12 in like two more days. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. And Sevi just turned... Something. 
nine. Nine. Okay. I'm pretty sure nine. Yeah, 2019. Okay. Um, yeah, he just turned nine. And uh, cool. What about brothers and sisters? You want to shout some of them out? Oh gosh, which one do I start with? I've got six of them. Yeah. Uh, there's Jennifer, Joyce. I'm Joanne, Jerome, Jamie, Janine, Jonathan. Uh, they all live in Michigan except for Joyce, who's in Houston. She's an optometrist. Jennifer works for Ford Motor Company. Jerome and Jonathan are uh, independently employed. Mm -hmm. uh, they have businesses out in Romulus. Cool. Jamie is a Montessori teacher. She actually runs a school in Livonia. It's mm -hmm. called Premier Children's Academy in Good. Livonia. It's also a Montessori school. And Janine who has her children at my school um, she works in real estate as a ad, some admin role okay. she's yeah. really good yeah really she's <laughs> the best <laughs> so that's all of them my husband also has a large family and I'm not going through right, their names right, but not, I love you all let's not good. do that yeah. good well we uh, anything we missed or anything that we didn't cover that we should cover that you want to mention yeah. or plug yep. or anyone that you want to shout out yeah. uh, what else I mean it's keeping up with the Chaldeans and I would say I live in Rochester and I didn't know there were a lot of Chaldeans out there um, the longer we've been in business the more Chaldeans I've met mm -hmm. um, it's awesome. probably the thing I miss the most I love being Chaldean I've always been really active in the Chaldean community and moving out to Rochester I felt like I lost touch for a little while because it's so far away um, were you, almost were you with Keiko before I well, was. I was with Keiko, yeah, I youth back, groups, um, yeah. uh, the Chaldean American Ladies of Charity. I used to run that program. Uh, not run it. I was their program director with yep. uh, Jane Shalal. I love Jane. Um, I love working with so many of the people in the Chaldean community. And now that we're more settled as a school, I'm really looking forward to, to okay. going back to making those connections and with people. You just uh, recently joined the chamber. I did, Chaldean thanks chamber to uh, you know Anthony Toma here. Uh, <laughs> I, it was exciting. It all kind of came... Uh, Ansana, she was yep. great. Uh, Navarat, is that no? What's the last name? I can't name? Never I, pronounce I, her something name. like that. Um, yeah, and uh, <laughs> that was really exciting. It was like the right time and place. Mm -hmm. uh, I have more time on my hands because we have a, a finally a, a do. We call her our do. We had to create a title what so that the, she could say do. What does the do do? do? do. <laughs> the do does everything. Do she keeps does. us organized, but she's we director of operations so okay. that we could call her do. Yeah. Um, she keeps everything organized and really focused for the growth that we're planning on That's doing. Awesome for the school because we're growing into middle school in the next couple of years and uh, so she's our due and uh, now I get to spend a little bit more time kind of connecting back to the community. And middle school is what, what ages? What the adolescent range? program is 12 to 18 years old. Mm. We'll start with middle school and the goal would be to go right into high school. Congratulations. Um, it, awesome. Well hopefully yeah, yeah. yeah I think it'll be great. I trained in 2014-15 and it was terrifying. <laughs> I, I did not I, I was a very, very awkward <laughs> adolescent, um, not my fondest years, and uh, I was really nervous about it, but it's pretty extraordinary. It's a work-based program, and uh, nice. it's really about doing projects and relating everything that you learn and know um, into uh, things that you're about to learn, right. and so everything's relevant. So uh, growing that and having the do to kind of guide that yeah. uh, mm -hmm. ship, I get to reconnect a little bit Good. with cool. the community. Awesome. We're gonna. We're excited to have you at the chamber, and uh, I got my money on you for getting this program and the the, the expansion done. Awesome, because we're taking investors. Yeah, That's so, great. Yeah, yeah, all right. <laughs> okay. So, want to ask you the question? Infamous. I think she kind of covered it already. We, I was we, gonna we, say we she nailed it. Usually, close out with uh, you know what uh, what is it to you to be Chaldean? What, what does it, it mean to you? Um, community mm -hmm. and family, uh, food. 
<laughs> culture <laughs> and language. I tried so hard to raise my daughter speaking the language first because I knew, um, it went really well until number two came. Okay. And uh, then my brain was scattered because I speak Chaldean, Surath, um, mm-hmm. but I think in English. And so for me, it was a constant translation. Sometimes it was a phone call to my mom or to mm-hmm. my aunt. And I'm like, how do you say this? Yeah. And that was um, so it was uh, that language is really, really important. I stress to everybody, um, grandparents, if you're around mm-hmm. your children, dude, just speak to them in Surah because uh, they're going to understand you. They may not be able to answer back yet, but yeah. do what I did. I mean, it was so important to me when I used to speak with my grandmother. She was trying to learn English. And at one point, she only spoke English, and I could only answer back in Surah oh. so that we could both master it a little bit more. So the food, the language, the family, uh, the church, um, really, really important. Um, when I look back at my life and uh, the different moments that really impacted me, it was the church or it was the Chaldean American Ladies of Charity. It was the women in my family that really impacted me, too help me grow into I think the great woman I am today yes so you are a great that's woman. what it means to be Kelly to me awesome. <laughs> you uh you've inspired me to tr- to bring my kids out to your school <laughs> all right it's not a far drive no, you can do not it at all yeah it takes about 35 minutes from the west side to head over to Rochester very cool yeah. awesome and I, I commend a lot of you women that are in the uh, educational field oh yeah mm-hmm. uh, yeah there's I mean from anything from Renee Nager to you to others that have mm-hmm. done it for a good amount of time people don't even know because we weren't exposing you on yeah. social media back mm-hmm. then we just knew you when we saw you at church to know what you're doing or yeah. wherever we saw everybody but kudos to all you women doing this you're, yeah. you're making yeah, a difference there's some yeah. men too but yeah thank you yeah. I, I do appreciate it. and I, it's a shout out to all of the educators so yeah. many of my friends are mm-hmm. educators and especially the ones that have families of their own because mm-hmm. sometimes you're depleted yeah. you know yeah. just yeah. from yes. the job and then you have to go home to yeah. you get to go home to you your children to yeah. but sometimes that's so hard it's and different. yet they manage to give 100% everywhere so yeah. I agree just thank shout you out to all the women all out there, to the women out yeah. there. Yeah. God bless you guys yeah. thank you so much for joining us thank you for thank sharing you. everything and and next time we talk to you everybody. we want to see 18 acres right yeah. 18 acres yeah you're at nine now we nine's want to, good yeah nine's, nine's good. good but what, hopefully when we get to talk to you next year on your uh revisit we'll be at 18 well awesome. you guys Back just let wood. me know when you guys can invest and we'll, right. we'll, we'll work go. on that for you that was fair <laughs> thank, thank you so much thank, thank you guys see you later